The Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 9 and verse number 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The ministry of the prophets was often one of great struggle and heartache. Isaiah reveals to us his call to this particular work and ministry in Isaiah chapter number 6. Isaiah literally volunteered to serve the Lord when he heard the cry that came, who will, send, who will we send and who will go for us? And Isaiah volunteered. He said, here am I, send me. But God warned him on that day that his ministry would not be an easy one. Here was what God said after he volunteered. He said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat and make their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. Isaiah would preach until the people were sick of hearing his message. They would not respond to his preaching. Isaiah was disturbed by this calling when he heard it from the Lord and he asked the Lord, how long, how long will it be that I'll have to labor like this and not see any visible results? Isaiah 6, verse number 11, then said I, Lord, how long? God answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate, and the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. In other words, Isaiah, I want you to preach and I want you to preach with all of your heart, but I want you to know something. Your message will not lead to a revival, but rather it'll lead to a land that is desolate, a, a, a land that is forsaken by its people, a, a land that no longer has its inhabitants because they've been led away into captivity. That's your calling. Isaiah was being called upon to preach until judgment fell from God upon his people for the refusal to hear God's word and his messenger. Isaiah chapter number 8 reveals the condition of the world during Isaiah's time of ministry. Verse number 22 of Isaiah 8, And they shall look unto the earth, and behold trouble and darkness, dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. But the lesson that we learn throughout most of the prophetic books of our Old Testament is that sprinkled in among the great warnings of judgment and difficulty is that, we learn this, is that God is faithful. And that even in the midst of judgment, even in the midst of difficulty, listen, there is always some hope. Always. Always. Isaiah 8 speaks of the difficulty of conquest by the Assyrians and the fall of Samaria the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. But listen, the following chapter, Isaiah chapter 9, opens with a word of hope. Here it is, here it is. Nevertheless. So God, God says, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pour out my wrath, and I'm going to pour out my fury, and I'm going to bring judgment, and I'm going to bring some difficulty upon you. And you're going to look around, and all you're going to see is darkness and dimness and anguish. But it doesn't stop there. No, God begins the next chapter, and he says, nevertheless, 
That's a word of hope that says, listen, in spite of all of this, this is all going to happen, no doubt, but there is some hope. Isaiah 9-2 reveals that God would give a great light to counter the darkness and dimness spoken about in Isaiah chapter number 8. The Bible says in verse number 2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. Verses 3 and 4 speak of multiplication joy and the breaking of the yoke of their bondage or of their burden. Can I tell you, this light, this joy, this hope, this breaking of a burden would come, listen, it would come in the form of a little child. Isn't it amazing how God uses small little things to accomplish his purposes? He used a young boy to defeat a great giant named Goliath. And to liberate Israel from the Philistines. In fact, when they looked at him, and he was volunteering to go and to fight, they all said, you can't do this. You're, you're, not, you're not strong enough. You're not big enough. You're not wise enough. And yet God used him, didn't he? God used five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 men. Five loaves and two fish. He used a mustard seed-sized faith to move mountains. And here in Isaiah chapter number nine, he used a little child to give hope, light, and joy. Aren't you thankful that God uses little things? Aren't you thankful you don't have to have a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom? You don't have to be the most talented. You don't have to be the smartest. Listen, all you have to do to be used by God, you just have to be available. You just have to volunteer like Isaiah did. Here am I, send me. Can God use you? God can use every person in this room so long as they'll come to him and they'll volunteer. Sign me up, Lord. I'm willing to be used by you. In this prophecy that is given, we discover several names that accurately describe who this little child would be. We have the benefit tonight of knowing the whole story. But the readers in Isaiah's day would not have been aware of all that we know. They would not have understood who is this child that is to be born. Who is this son that is to be given? Whose name shall be Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Who is this child? They would not have known like you and I do. Tomorrow we will enjoy a day of new things, won't we? We'll open up new presents. We'll make new memories. Perhaps maybe as a family, we'll start some new traditions. But on a day dedicated, Christmas is a day dedicated to something new. Can I remind you tonight of an old message? Can I help you to understand that his birth name was Jesus, but he was Emmanuel, meaning God with us. But here he is given some additional names that more fully describe who he is and what he would accomplish. And listen, can I tell you that we discover tonight that he is still today what Isaiah named him to be nearly 3,000 years ago. His name, therefore, shall be called, number one, his name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful. I grew up singing the song. I won't sing it for you tonight, but I will quote it. Isn't he wonderful Wonderful, wonderful. Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? Eyes have seen and ears have heard. It's recorded in God's word. Isn't Jesus, my Lord, wonderful? 
The word wonderful here is the Hebrew word uh, pele, and it means a miracle or a marvelous thing. And can I just say, listen, if you're here tonight and you've known him any length of time, you would have to agree with what Isaiah wrote here. He is wonderful. He's so wonderful. I live a blessed life tonight. And that's not because I'm wonderful. It's not because of anything that I have done. No, listen, the blessings that I enjoy tonight are because my Savior is wonderful. His forgiveness is wonderful. His love is so wonderful. His incarnation is wonderful. His power is wonderful. His word is wonderful. His life that he gives us to live is wonderful. And can I just say, can I just say on a, on a day and age in which a lot of people are, are putting down some things that God has lifted up in his word, can I just say my discovery has been that his people, his church is wonderful too. I just want to go on record and say that I am so blessed to be a part of a local Baptist church. It's a wonderful thing what he has designed. His name shall be called Wonderful. Tomorrow you may receive a gift, and when you open it, you may exclaim with such joy and excitement, this is wonderful, and it may be. But it'll never be as wonderful as what Jesus is. No, no, Jesus is really wonderful. He's miraculous. He is wonderful. But not only that, his name shall be called Wonderful, but number two, his name shall be called counselor. Can I just help you to understand you can trust him in everything. I have discovered, listen, I have discovered that Jesus gives good counsel. He gives good counsel. The Bible says in Isaiah 28, 29, this also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. In Colossians chapter number two, verses two and three, the Bible says that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Listen, when you come to him and you're lacking direction and you're uncertain about your future, what decision should I make? Which way should I go? You can know that you're coming to the one in whom is hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He is a wonderful counselor. The time that Isaiah was writing, this word that he used here carried with it the idea of one who is an advisor or a counselor to princes and kings. Say, what's so significant about that? You know what Isaiah is saying? Isaiah is saying, listen, the one who kings wish to hear from, the one who potentates wish to hear from, the one who great leaders would bend their ear to hear what he has to say, he is available to you, and he is. He is a great counselor. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. and Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he surely shall direct thy paths. His name shall be called Counselor. Number three, his name shall be called the Mighty God. The Mighty God. Another song I remember singing when I was just a boy. I was putting this message together. These songs are just flooding into my mind. Here's another one we sing. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. The mountains are his, the valleys are his, the stars are his handiwork too. My God is so big. We used, to, we used to go like this, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. 
His name shall be called the mighty God. I've lived long enough to know that this is true as well. The God who created all of this, we saw those beautiful scenes just a moment ago on the screen. The same God who created all of those things is my God. And the Bible says that he has all power that's been given unto him. Therefore, there is no challenge, there is no challenge, there is no obstacle, there is no difficulty that I face that is too strong or too mighty for him. You say, well, how do I get access to this power? This power is accessed by faith. It's accessed by obedience, and it's accessed by prayer. There are many examples of his power displayed throughout Scripture. I just want to summarize it tonight and just say this. I don't know what you're dealing with, but don't lose faith, because his name shall be called the mighty God. You need something moved? God can move it. You need something lifted? God can lift it. You need something to, uh, to, to, to get through the next day? God can give you more than you need for the next day because his grace is sufficient. He is the mighty God. His name shall be called the everlasting Father. You know, we only get one earthly father in this life. And for some in this room, your father has long been in eternity If I were to pass away tonight, Cleveland Baptist Church could find a new pastor. Heritage Christian School could find a new superintendent. Heritage Baptist Institute could find a new president. Even my wife, she better not, but even my wife could find a new husband. (laughs) No, she can, she can. But can I say my children, my children could never find another father. This role and this position is unique special and cannot be held by another. This is the reality as it relates to earthly fathers, but the Bible, listen, the Bible likens God's relationships to his people as a father to his children. He's a father that never dies. He's the everlasting father. He never sleeps, never gets tired, never gets weak or weary. He's always available. He's always near. He's just a whispered prayer away. The Bible teaches that we're born separated from God and that in our natural state, not only are we not God's children, but we're actually, according to the Bible, we're actually children of the devil. According to John 8 and verse number 44, the only way, listen, the only way for him to be your everlasting father is through the new birth. And it is very possible in a room filled with this many people that there's someone here tonight who has never experienced the new birth. In other words, tonight as you come into this service, he is not your father. He wants to be, he can be, and he'll be the best father you've ever had, but he's not tonight, which is why Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter number three, ye must be born again. Have you experienced the new birth? Is God your father? If he isn't, he can be, and he wants to be. Lastly tonight, His name shall be called the Prince of Peace. Would you take a look around our world today for just a moment? And as you do, you will discover places of war and fighting. We're troubled by scenes in Ukraine and scenes in Israel and other places where blood is being shed and where conflict rages. Thanks, listen, thanks to evil men. Many human kings and Princes have delighted in conquest and blood. I say the Messiah, 
The Messiah is different. This king, this prince, is not like the average ordinary king. This child comes to bring peace. He is the only, in fact, he is the only path to peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just remind you that his peace, the peace he gives, is not a temporary peace like the world offers. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 16 and verse number 33, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Bible tells us about this peace that he offers, that it passes all understanding. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this Christmas, may we celebrate this child. His name. What's his name? His name is Jesus. We talked about that this morning. Why they name him that? Because he had come to save his people from their sins. But his name is much greater than just that. His name shall be called Wonderful. Do you agree with what Isaiah wrote? That he is wonderful. He's wonderful, isn't he? His name shall be called Counselor. Have you received some good counsel from the Lord as you've looked to him and trusted in him with all of your heart? His name shall be called the Mighty God. And if we were to take the time tonight, we could pass a microphone up and down the aisles and we could hear of people who would say, let me tell you what mighty works God has done for me and in my life. His name shall be called the Everlasting Father. Some of you, perhaps you could talk about the fact, you know, my dad's been gone for a long time. Or perhaps you could even say, I've never even known my dad, but he's been more of a father than I could have ever asked for. He's an everlasting father. And he is the Prince of Peace. And some of you, some of you could take a microphone in hand and you could say, let me just tell you, before I knew Jesus, my life was full of turmoil, full of trouble, full of issues and anxiety. But since I've known the Lord, doesn't mean that all of my problems are gone, but he gives me a settled peace, a confidence. He's always near, and he is the prince of peace.